We're here. It's happening. I'm a minute early for probably the first time in my life. But I could not just sit here and watch the last minute tick down. I could not do it. I think I would have actually gone insane. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm nervous and excited or if my Ritalin's just kicking in hard. Let me turn my music off. That's my pump song um, here by Briggs featuring Kate Baker and it's amazing. I'm just like, woo. Okay. We're here. It's happening. Welcome to the masterclass. I am so freaking excited to have you guys here. This has been a long time in the making. So many notes, so much prep behind the scenes. And I'm just, honestly, I'm relieved that we're here now and we're going to do it. I was literally scrambling around the house about two minutes ago trying to find my ring light. Um, Cause of course I'd put the cord in a completely separate place to where the ring light is. Anyway, it's been a chaotic morning. Hi everyone, how has your morning been? How are things going for you? Where are you listening in from? Who's here on the call with me today? I know that a lot of people will be watching the replay. It's first day of school for a lot of mums. My kids went back yesterday, all three of them, daycare or ELC, um, year three and year six. But I know a lot of schools start today, some start Wednesday. It's kind of like a staggered approach these days. So I know that a lot of mums are still on school run right now. Um, and we'll be tuning into the replay. I know that about 80% of the women in my world will always watch the replays. About 20% join in live when they can. So for those of you watching the replay, hi. How has your day been? How's your week been? Whenever you're getting to watch this. <sighs> hi, Caitlin. Caitlin's from Adelaide. Hi. <laughs> How are you? How's your morning been? Okay, so this masterclass is really a masterclass. This is, there's no slides. This is not a sales webinar. I'm not going to be speaking at the end about um, what products or offerings I have available at the moment. If you are listening to this masterclass, you do want more information about working with me or joining any of my containers or programs, send me an Instagram DM message and we can have a little bit of a chat about what might be the right option for you. But this masterclass is pure masterclass. I want to fully dive deep into these limiting blocks that are holding a lot of women in business back. Um, and so I don't want to not waste any time, but this is not the space for me to promote what I'm doing. This is the place for me to give as much value as possible. I do four of these free masterclasses a year. You've got access to the podcast. You've got access to these four free masterclasses of mine a year. So I really want to make sure um, that you're getting as much value as possible for this because like I said there's only four a year and then if you do want more if you are seeking more reach out and we can have about the next have a chat about the next step for you so okay it's definitely the Ritalin <laughs> the last three days I don't know if my body's going through some type of hormonal shift the last three days like an hour after taking my Ritalin in the morning I feel like jittery and that doesn't normally happen for me so i'm not sure what's going on i'll speak to my doctor about it but if i'm talking a little bit too fast i apologize it's literally the like stimulant in my brain right now but then also anyone who's worked with me prior to getting my adhd diagnosis would be like no that's just showing her she's a little rave cocaine squirrel talks really fast but we get a lot in there's no doubt you're not going to experience a lot of value from today so hi 
if you haven't been in my world before, I'm going to share a little, a little bit about my story because this is the thing I hate is when you jump on a masterclass or a webinar, are we going to teach you all this stuff? And it's literally, and I did this the other day, I got up at 6am for a webinar and it was 45 minutes of her story. It was three slides that were useful, three slides that I would kind of call useful. I screenshotted one slide and then 45 minutes of selling her course. And I was like, I got up at fucking 6am and logged onto this webinar, sleep deprived as fuck for all this value I was going to receive. And I got one screenshotable slide, 10 minutes of content sandwiched by stories and selling. And I'm just, I'm just not about it. I'm a busy bitch. You are a busy bitch. You are carving time out of your day to be here. So let's like not fuck around, but I do want to share a little bit about my story for people who are new here, because I know I've got a lot of you following from TikTok, which is obviously very short form content. Um, I'm a little bit funny over on TikTok, but you've probably just seen that side of me and probably haven't heard any of the story behind what I actually do and how I got here. So the snapshot version, the very quick version is my journey to becoming a money mindset coach was a really natural evolution. I have always grown multiple businesses. I eventually transitioned into business coaching. Um, and I, I would say that I've always been very entrepreneurial. I mean, I was the kid that was selling lollies. I would get my mum, I would convince my mum to buy like a packet of fan towels from Woolies. And I would sit outside my school's canteen out the front and I would sell and kind of undercut the canteen. I would price my lollies a little bit cheaper than the canteens, which looking back, I'm like, the canteen was probably not for profit and was benefiting the school. But here, here I was like, if I sell my fan towels, for 40 cents when the canteen sells them for 50 cents a bag, I can, you know, this was my mindset as a, as a child, right? So I was very entrepreneurial. I was selling lollies out the front of my school canteen. If my was putting on a concert to the Spice Girls or Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack in my lounge room with my friends, I was the one there like, no, you have to pay for a ticket. The tickets are $2 and I would actually make my family pay to see my lounge room shows and at family functions, I would take this little silver makeup box. If you grew up in the 90s like me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There was like silver ones, pink ones. They had the big handle on top. I would take this little silver makeup box and I would fill it full of nail polish and, you know, the body shop um, musk, uh, like the little sample ones you kind of get back in the day. And I would, at family functions, while all my cousins were playing in the pool and, you know, running amok and playing hide and seek, uh, me and my sister were under the table massaging our auntie's feet and painting their toenails and doing that type of thing. I made up a little flyer. Um, it was like, we called it masterpiece massages, which even back in the day, I'm like, dang, that was a good business name. I really should have like domain and copyrighted that, but I was seven. I had no idea. Um, I made this little flyer with all the prices. So, and, and this was like a 10, like even younger than that. So I've just always been a hustler. I've just seen opportunities as money-making opportunities my whole life. That's just my brain and how it works. Um, so while I'm sharing this, if you guys want to pop in the comments and share your business journey, what do you do? How did you get into business today? Is that is business ownership something really new to, to, new to you or is it something you've been doing a long time? Let me know, that would be great. So we can kind of connect that way. Um, so I started my first spray tanning business in, I actually started a wedding planning business to first to be honest, but it was about six months into that. 
Um, I did an advanced diploma in events. I started helping brides organize their weddings. And after about my third wedding, I was like, no, this is not for me. It's so stressful. Um, so I, you know, decided not to take any more wedding clients on. I opened my spray tanning business in 2013. I started doing spray tans from my laundry at home and also going out mobile. And I really positioned myself as the event tanner. So like get a whole bunch of your friends together at your house and I'll come and spray tan all of you. So was really known as the, the wedding and event tanner. Um, and that ran from 2013 to 2020. We shut during COVID when I moved to a new house and just kind of realized that I didn't have the capacity to keep running that at the level I had been. Um, I miss my clients a lot. <laughs> I see them down the street still. And sometimes people wave to me and they're like, hi, Shona. I was like, hi. And then Aaron's like, you used to tan her. And I'm like, well, I don't remember her with clothes on and makeup on. I used to see everyone naked with no makeup on and their hair in buns and wearing dressing gowns. And sometimes it's hard for me to put two and two together. But anyway, I digress. So tanning business from 2013 to 2020. I opened Sexy Selfish in 2018 after I left a network marketing company. I really wanted to not just help women within that network marketing niche, but I wanted to help a lot more women in a lot bigger way and not be constricted um, by the, the the culture of network marketing. So stepped away from that, started Sexy Selfish in 2018. We are now coming up to our fifth year in business, I think in the next week or two. Should probably get my shit together and organize something to celebrate that. Cause like five years is a big deal. I feel like five years is like, maybe I didn't just fluke this now. Maybe I'm doing a good job, right? Uh, and then my third business, Time Creative, that started accidentally in 2021. I had been doing design work for a lot of friends and just, you know, helping people tweak their branding and stuff and just, just helping people. I took my first paid design job in 2021 and now Time Creative is in its entire own company. Uh, we usually booked out months in advance and we specialize in creating designs for creative entrepreneurs who maybe love writing the content, but don't want to necessarily put it all into the presentations and workbooks or don't have time or inclination to do that. So that's really where um, Time Creative steps in as well. So currently running two businesses, have run three very successful businesses in different industries and different areas. And along the journey of raising three kids, I have three kids with autism and ADHD, uh, 11, eight and three is their ages along the journey of raising three kids and managing multiple businesses and entrepreneurial ventures. My husband's literally on the phone this morning researching our fourth business. I'm like, babe, I think three, I think we're good right now. And he's like, nah, all in four. I'm like, this one's yours though. I'm not touching this one, right? During that journey, I've had to really dive deep into my own relationship with money to really be able to move forward and remove the self-sabotaging behavior that just no matter how much money I was making, these same kind of patterns kept popping up. And what I discovered is that no matter how much money I was making, no matter whether it was like a $21 month or a $17,000 month, I still had this really toxic, fucked up relationship with money, right? And so I decided that I was going to completely, I was going to stop trying to do budgets. I was going to stop trying to pay off my credit card debt. And I really went deep into trying to figure out, like trying to figure out my relationship with money, my energy around money. Where was I still blocking myself? Where was I still committed to this broke bitch attitude? And I spent five years doing that. But naturally, the more that I worked on this myself, oh, and I got out of debt, got out of credit cards, own our home, own our two cars, like completely transform my financial landscape as well as my mindset 
but here's the thing naturally like the more that i worked on this with my clients through the transformation that i had experienced i started sharing kind of what i was going through that was then helping my clients and this is what i realized like back in 2018 when money mindset manifestation those type of things weren't as common topics that you might see today i really knew that this was a huge fundamental part of mindset and personal development and business that just kept getting overlooked so the more i helped my business coaching clients have a better relationship with money the faster they were actually able to experience sorry experience the success that they desired and it became really apparent that the passion that i had for this particular topic would be the focus of the brand sexy selfish because prior to that we've been like you know women's confidence self-love goals take care of your space which is great love that still love that a lot of my brand is about that but i went no this this money mindset stuff needs to reach more people so we completely rebranded stepped fully into helping women and mums to become excited and empowered around their money mindset and that has kind of been my focus over the last few years you will notice you know my course abundant as fuck which has been running for five years now and life-changing is focused to just around general women and money the two books that i've written goodbye money guilt and hello abundance is focused around women and money even my elite membership there's a lot of business in it but there's also just a lot of life content in it and you guys have been asking me for so many years when are you bringing out something that's like specific for women in business and so the, this masterclass is the first step to that because what i've learned from the last 10 years in business the last five years specifically helping women with money mindset and prior to that i've been coaching for about three years prior to that as well so it's probably all up nearly eight years of actually coaching and helping women through limiting beliefs five years specifically on money mindset what i've learned is that there is a direct link between your business cash flow your general life and happiness and balance and stuff and the deeper inner money work right there is a direct link between these two things. I have clients who are making $200,000 a month and have come to me because they're still having a toxic relationship with money. I have clients who are financial planners and accountants that come and work with me because they still can't seem to break through that financial glass ceiling. And it's all this stuff, it's all the deeper inner stuff that we're gonna talk about today. And there's like close to 40, money blocks or limiting beliefs if you can like put this is the thing every person's experience is so different and so unique to them but if we can put kind of 40 labels on on similar ideas that people are going through there's about 40 money mindset blocks really i deal with about 13 in my first book and we're going to touch on three today because i sat down when i wanted to do this masterclass. it's like i want to help women get rid of their limiting beliefs around money which we know directly helps them improve their cash flow in their business. There's all these money blocks. And I literally went back through my notes, every notebook I had, my private coaching class, less private coaching clients, the sessions I had within the notes that I took, what are the three most common ones that I see coming up for women in business? And that's the limiting beliefs that we're going to cover today. There's three of them. And we're going to debunk that. But first of all, if you guys are watching live and on the replay, where do you feel the most stuck with money? What comes up for you when I start to talk about making more money? How are you with your money? What's your relationship with money? 
how do you feel about selling in your business how do you feel when you look at your bank accounts whether that's business or personal but what's coming up for you in terms of money right let's share in the comments i'll come back and check that in a second the limiting beliefs that we are going to cover today number one is that making money is hard this pops up all the time it popped up in a coaching call two weeks ago with a client of mine She's like, I'm ready for the next level of like cash, but oh my God, I just feel like I'm going to drop the ball with the house and I'm going to drop the ball with everything else. And I'm, you know, it's going to take up so much time. And I'm like, okay, so before we actually do anything on your marketing strategy, before we actually do anything on selling more of your products, we got to clear this making money is hard belief, right? The second belief that we're going to look at is that wealthy people are not inherently good people rich people are bad wealthy people are evil the bad guys are always rich all that type of stuff we hold around actual wealthy and successful people is often the reason that we are not letting ourselves be wealthy and successful people right and i'm going to completely go through this and i'm going to give you action steps to work through each one and then the third limiting belief that we're going to take a look at which is going to be probably super uncomfortable for a lot of you, triggering, um, there may be tissues needed. This is the one that where you can't be successful and a good mum at the same time. So yeah, we're gonna dive into that one, which is so steeped in patriarchal bullshit, but we're gonna dive into it. All right, so how does that sound? That sounds good. Um, Laurie, how am I worth making good money? Can you expand on that one a little bit for me? Because how am I worth making good money? Is that like a, a question within your own worthiness and your own feelings of being worthy and deserving of making money? Can you just tell me a little bit more about that one? Um, Caitlin, never enough money. Getting clients is hard. Oh, the never enough one. This is the first chapter in the, like not the first chapter, but the first limiting belief we talk about in the book. This is once again, I haven't spoken too much on this one today because it's a really general one. You'll find that most women, not necessarily just women in business, come up with this particular belief. In Goodbye Money Guilt, the limiting belief chapters, we dive into it there. Um, but yeah, the never enough is really hard. I even caught myself a couple of weeks ago. And get this right, Sexy Selfish has had its biggest cash sale, like biggest cash income month ever. I've had my biggest sales month ever. And I still found myself saying, it's not enough. It's not enough. I need more, right? And my husband's like, mm, you need to go check yourself. How about you go read some of your own quotes or listen, look at your own affirmation texts or go back and do your own course, you crazy bitch, because it is enough. You're doing great. And it's just like that, that thought can be really hard to get rid of. Uh, Laura, yes, feeling worthy. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of that is steeped in obviously your own self-confidence, your own perspective. What am I trying to say? Perception of yourself. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and we can definitely dive into that i don't come from anything tell me more about that too um because i don't come from anything too like yes i'm a white woman living in australia i understand the privilege in that i had access to education and had parents that stayed married even though i think they probably should have got divorced at one point um so i recognize the privilege but in terms of like coming from anything i i started my businesses with the money from my own pocket and taught myself everything I've never had a mentor, 
nothing. So there's like, when you say you're not coming from anything, what does that actually mean? And what, what do you think is the step that other people have when they're coming from something? Okay. I'm going to come back in and check on those ones. Let's dive into the first one. Making money is hard. I need to keep drinking water because I have two hours of client calls after this as well. And I guarantee we'll have no voice by the end of the day, which is fine because my kids don't listen to me anyway. All right. So let's talk about making money is hard. I'm going to be super honest with you guys. I am making more money than I ever have in my life. And the hours in my business, working my business, are the least they've ever been right now. January. Most amount of money ever made, least amount of hours ever clocked in my business. So let's completely debunk this myth about making money is hard. So the idea of making money is hard work, if that idea was right, it makes sense that the people who work the hardest would be the wealthiest. So tell me right now in the comments, what's when I tell you about people, when I say people work really hard, what pops into your head? What type of jobs? What type of people pop into your head when I say the people who work the hardest? For me, that comes up as like, you know, plumbers, electricians. There's a guy like a few weeks ago crawling around on a very hot day in the roof of our house. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm full on with the mean girl's mum. I'm like there at the bottom of the ladder, like, do you want a snack? Do you need some water? I feel really bad you're up there. But you know what I mean? He is someone that I would say works really hard, like laborers. My husband works with a bunch of, like, he doesn't work with them, but he's friends with a bunch of concreters. And like, they are putting in massive days, hard work, lugging stuff. Like they are absolutely exhausted. He goes to them, you know, want to hang out, want to grab a beer? And they're like, dude, we're in bed. It's, it's six o'clock and we're going to bed. We're exhausted, right? Stay at home mums. So like, I've got friends who have like four or five kids and they're stay at home mums. And like, they, they're literally sun up to sundown hard work, right? Nurses, firefighters, uh, Caitlin said lawyers, doctors. I've got, I've got a lot of friends who are like pediatric doctors. They work incredibly hard, incredibly long days. It took them a long day to get to where they are today. So the nurses, electricians, laborers, stay-at-home mums, you know, the, the guys digging holes on the side of the road and not with the fork, like not with the digging equipment, like with the shovel, right? If this idea that making money is hard work was true, those people would be the wealthiest in society, right? Like if that belief making money is hard work, the hard workers have to have the most money, right? However, what we see most of the time in reality is the direct opposite of that. Am I right? So when we actually like put this all into perspective and actually look at the people who are not like, and this is the thing we all don't, look at people and go like oh the hard work is different to everyone and like I'm doing hard work too and like I get it I work I work for my business I take action I work hard I'm not sitting on my couch watching the Kardashians um just saying I manifest millions like we all take hard work right but this idea that that making money requires 70 hours of your week and hard back-breaking labor if that was true it calls out the idea that making money is hard work as a complete and total lie and yet this idea 
that making money requires hard work is so commonplace now because people feel they can't make any other money any other way than exchanging their time for an hourly rate. I say this with a preface that if you fucking love your job and your career and you're so lit up and you're so passionate about it, this obviously doesn't apply to you. But if you know you're that person who's going to your job every day and you fucking hate it, like my husband, he hated his job and he worked really fucking hard every day. 10 hour days, long day, big diesel mechanic, moving truck parts around, covered in grease and oil, exhausted. Like, and he hated his job and now he works for himself. That's the type of person this comment and idea is for. If you love your job and you love your career and you're happy and you like going to work, then this is obviously you wouldn't be on this call in the first place. You know what I mean? But this idea that they believe that their boss is somehow in charge of the financial reality and not them. And then the only way to have more money is to work more hours when this is just not true. So for example, I was sitting in with my bank manager the other day, I was opening up some more, more accounts for my business. I'm like, I need money to go here. and I need money to go there. She's like, okay, we're like at 80 accounts now. And I'm like, I don't care, open more. <laughs> so I was in there doing that and she's like, oh yeah, your mortgage comes off in a few, in a few days um, off of your fixed rate. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. Like I, I know, just make more money. Anyway, we're sitting down and she kind of maps things out and I negotiated a really good deal with our mortgage, which is great because we don't owe a lot on our house. Um, through the hard work I've done over the years, by the way. And so then I, she told me how much it went up. And even for me, who like that increase in my mortgage is like nothing really. I was like, imagine sitting here and being like a husband and wife, both with full-time work, they're bringing in like $1,000 a week tax, kids, daycare, petrol, school fees, and just hearing your mortgage has gone up like nearly a thousand dollars. How do you find that money? How do you find that money? I mean, most people are already cutting back. They're living within the restriction anyway. They've cut back their food shopping. They've gotten rid of their um, extra subscriptions. How do you find an extra thousand dollars a month? And that's why the bank manager I was talking about, like how hard this is for a lot of families. They've already got two full-time jobs. Now they're having to consider and getting a third extra job to make their mortgage payments. And I was just like, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. I know that, that I've created these two businesses and my husband's business that we can sit down and go, okay, that's for me. That's like one more client, not even it's less than one more client. I can do that. That's easy. I don't have to put more time into my business. I, can, I have other options. I have a way that I can make that money without going and getting another job or having to, you know, restrict what I'm feeding my family, right? So it's a different mindset shift. It's a different situation, but the world is not built the way it used to be. The world is built the same. The structure is changing, right? So you're, this is the thing I want to shift. If you currently have a job, part-time job, whatever it is, your boss may be in charge of this one stream of income, but studies have shown that the average millionaire earner makes income from at least seven different streams of revenue, right? And they can still, and those people can still manage time for beach vacations, watching their favorite shows and getting a massage. So you can too, right? So once you rewire your thoughts and release the idea that making money has to be hard, new opportunities will open up to you. I was on a call yesterday with a client and we were working through the same thing. She wants to scale her business and her brand. She kept saying things like, oh, I'm just not sure I have the time for that. It's just going to be so much work to do it that way. And I'm like, is it though? Or can we just 
do it in a way where we do the because the, there's work involved in everything everything has a time and an energetic outflow can we set up a system where we can do that once and then we can run it in a way where it's leveraged the time that you've already put in and she'd like never even considered it that way right so once you rewire your thoughts and release the idea that making money has to be hard new opportunities open up for you in like a dramatic way right so the action steps you can take around this, and I will post a post up in this group after the call, after my calls this afternoon with my clients, I'll write this up and put it in with the action steps to actually take for each of these points. The first one is I want you to research and reframe your idea of how money is made. For example, did you know that kids on YouTube make thousands of dollars by unboxing and reviewing toys? My son on YouTube watches people talk about basketball games, like go over, like, you know how they used to have the guy, like they probably still, I don't watch sport. They've got the guys like commentating through the game. He's then watching YouTube guys rewatch the game, commenting on the game. And he's like so into it, right? And then he's watching kids unload boxes of toys and he's watching, you know, other kids play video games and all these children are making money on the ads from the YouTube channels. There are even pictures, uh, sorry, there are even people out there making money selling feet pictures online. Yes, this is a real thing. And I posted a TikTok that went viral the other day and it was like, here's your reality check. If there are people online selling their farts in jars and making over $200,000 a year doing it, you can start your business idea because this is the thing. There was a woman here in Australia who sold her farts in jars for 260, so she actually made over what I said in the TikTok, it was $260,000 in one financial year, selling her farts in jars. And yes, she might've put herself in hospital and the doctor said, hey, you can't do that anymore. Your bowels are gonna have issues. But like if people can make money selling farts in jars, I'm pretty sure you can start your business idea, right? So, oh, can you guys see me? I've just got a notification that my internet might be a bit unstable. Can someone let me know if you can see and hear me? I hope it's working. Oh gosh, okay. Yeah, let me know if you can see me. Hopefully everyone can. Oh, my internet issues. We got a new router and everything before Christmas, but I'm not sure if it's, um, if it's working still. We'll find out. Okay, someone can let me know, that would be great. The other idea is there's a great book from Gary Vee called Crushing It. And it, this book I found was fantastic for helping broadening your ideas of how money can be made these days. So I want to give you guys a little perspective on the different ways that I brought money into my bank account this month. Let's just do this month. I have been paid for private coaching sessions. I have been paid for my membership. I have been paid on payment plans for people who have accessed my courses. I have been paid as a designer, so like design projects that I've been doing, whether that's deposits or full invoices, thousands of dollars coming that way. I have been paid royalty income from my books being sold. I have been paid, um, it, like, I still actually get a check from my network marketing company, even though I haven't done it in like five years. They still send me a check every month from something that I don't even know how to log in and know what, what's happening with that, but I still get a small residual check from wholesale income from there. Um, and then I have what am I trying to say? <laughs> my like ways that money's come into our bank account this month. Uh, my husband's business. We obviously still do get like a very, very small amount of carers allowance because my kids have disabilities. 
So that's like, at the moment, that's that. <laughs> We've got eight streams of income. In the next three months, we will add another three streams of income to that. Oh, sorry, no, I also get paid for like illustrations, so my kink art. So I draw, someone sends me an erotic image of themselves and I turn it into an art piece so that they can like hang in their home without it kind of being subtle enough that people don't necessarily know it's a nude photo of their daughter-in-law or something. Um, so I get paid to do that as well. So there's lots of different ways to make income. There are so many different ways that people are doing what they love. In, in China, there are professional listeners. You can just hire someone if you want to go to lunch to a restaurant and you don't have any friends or family that want to come to that particular restaurant with you, but you also don't want to sit alone. You can literally hire someone from an hour to just come and eat and they can either just, and I think there's like a tick box thing where you can ask for conversation, silence, or just like listen and, and um, what do you call it? Like body, body cue acknowledgement instead of verbal acknowledgement. So they just listen, but are engaged in what you're saying. So I mean, there's just so many ways to make money. It's absolutely insane, right? And then another action step is a reality check. The people that are making the type of money that you would like to make are not necessarily working harder and longer than you. Perhaps they're working smarter or maybe they're focused on nurturing their relationship with money in the way that you are learning to do now. But there is no link to IQ. There is no link to the hours that you put into your business, right? I make more money on the days where I don't sit in front of my computer every fucking time. I've tracked it now. I've made notes of it. The days I sit in front of my computer, I actually don't make as much money as the days I'm out living my life, right? And then my third action step for this one is using the empowering affirmations to rewire your attitude towards money. It's one of those like little daily steps that you can take that can really shift your perspective on how easy it actually is to make money. Um, if you want to try, I've got a 30 day option for abundance affirmations text. So you can try it for 30 days. Um, and then it gives you the option if you want to keep continue to receive daily affirmations, you can get them for a further 365 days for a small monthly cost, right? So if you want information on that, send me an Instagram DM and I'll send you the links. Um, okay. Are we ready for the next belief? Right? Uh, yeah, it was a bit funny there for a while. Did you say book sales? Yeah. Um, sorry about that. My internet's um, interesting. Uh, okay. Internet issues. I will say my um, income streams again, if I can remember them. Okay. Ways that I made money was uh, my membership, private coaching, um, like payment plans for my courses, subscription services like the SMS affirmations that I just shared, um, my book sales, so I get royalties on my book sales. Um, I get paid to do kink art illustrations for people as well. That's another little thing I've got going. I also recently have been paid by musicians and artists to put, I had one of my playlists go um, viral on TikTok. And so now I actually get artists and musicians email me and they're like, can you listen to my song? If you like that song, can I pay you to put it on your playlist? And I was like, that's crazy, <laughs> but okay. Um, so I now have, have that other income. Wait a minute, did I put that finger up as well? That income stream as well. Uh, yeah, my husband's business and we're a network marketing residual income and we're about to add another three income streams over the next three months as well. So there's, there's a lot of stuff happening. My time created my design income as well. Um, guest speaking, I get paid to do guest speaking gigs. There's a lot of different ways that money actually comes into my account every month. And I think that that's so cool. I'm all about building a diverse, 
product suite of ways that I can be paid in multiple different ways every day. Okay, book sales, yeah. Can you say a student's income? Yep, I've done that. Hopefully that worked all right. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's have a look. The next belief is we have this deeply programmed into us is that rich or wealthy people are bad and greedy and this can keep us super blocked when it comes to actually earning and having a safe and loving relationship with earning a lot of money. You might find in your life that you've kind of got this financial glass ceiling. Mine always used to be $4,000. I was like, if I just earn $4,000 and I started to earn that a month. And then it was like, I was pushing so hard to hit the 10 Ks and I could never get past this $4,000 a month. And it was because I had this, this mental block of like, that's how much my husband earned. And earning any more than that would make me earn more than him. And then I would be like that woman, right? Then I would like be that rich bitch that earns more money than him. And it, it, I just had this whole story in my head about what that meant. But you might have this financial glass ceiling of maybe in your business, you can't seem to surpass what you made in your old job. Maybe you're stuck thinking you can't make more money than your parents. Maybe there's this idea in your head of like, when I make $100,000 a year, which is honestly nothing, when I make that, I will be a rich and wealthy woman. And so your inner subconscious is going, well, rich and wealthy people are bad. So we can't be that because that's really bad, right? So money is not linked to our morality. Actually, before I go into this, has anyone, does anyone have this pop up? Even I have a, if this is the reason I don't share my income online. Not the reason, this is one of the reasons. I never want someone to look at me and create that income as their benchmark goal. It's like why the reason why I expect, you know, um, fitness models and what do you call it? Like bodybuilders and stuff who don't share their information, their stats, their weight, because it becomes this unhealthy benchmark for people, but also because you should never want to work with me because of how much money I make. That shouldn't even factor into whether you join my programs, whether you work with me, because it has nothing to do with how I can help you, right? The people online saying like, I made $100,000 and I can teach you how to do it too. Often the way they made $100,000 was, you know, that, that coach versus coach versus coach cycle. <laughs> and you're buying their program, which is giving them the money to say, I made $100,000. And is anyone actually getting any advice or value out of it? We don't know, right? But anyway, what comes up for you when we talk about rich people, wealthy people? While you comment that, I'm going to touch into this a little bit. So money is not linked to our morality or our goodness or our bad. More or less money does not make us good or bad or right or wrong. Those who suffer are not better and those who are wealthy are not corrupt. Yet there's this like it's so deeply ingrained in us where we feel like we get more brownie points if we've suffered the most. Like I've worked the hardest. It's so deeply attached to our self-esteem that it's like the worst thing you could be would be rich and lazy, right? <laughs> so I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll never be lazy because I'm ADHD and like hyperactive as fuck. But you know what I mean? Like I think it feels like the worst thing we could be, be to be rich and enjoy ourselves like we've got so much of our self-esteem and our self-worth is linked to this i work hard i have suffered <laughs> i'm a good person because i have suffered and because i you know i'm not enjoying my life right 
So many of us believe that rich people are greedy and evil and selfish as we believe it as the absolute truth. So let's actually take a moment to see where that belief stemmed from and why it's in action. And don't get me wrong, over the years we have classic examples where rich have taken advantage, where people's wealth has been built off of the backs of other people, built off of theft and genocide and so many other things like that. So don't get me wrong, there is real world evidence but I'm hoping it's in the past. And I don't want that real world evidence to stop you, a good person, doing good with your money and impacting the world in a positive way from reaching your full potential because of what someone did a long time ago. Not that long, but you know what I mean. So here's, let's just dive into it. Between the ages of zero and seven, we are these little sponges. We're just little baby sponges and we're accepting and absorbing everything our environment and we are turning that into the rules and programming for the world around us so did you have lots of wealthy affluent people in your life when you were younger maybe but maybe not so where did we adopt like adopt and make true for us this rich equals bad mentality for many of us we didn't have wealthy people around us so it came from what we did have around us which was media we were exposed to movies, books, television shows that glorified this poor and struggled as the good guy and demonized the wealthy, famous, influential as bad. So what did you guys grow up watching on TV? What were your movies and things that you liked? I grew up watching, I'm going to give away my age here, <laughs> Mean Girls. Hating Alice and Ashley, which is a very Australian movie. I don't know if anyone else has seen it. Featuring Delta Goodrum, it was a great movie. Um, Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging, which is a British movie, which my sister and I were obsessed with. Uh, the Worst Witch, Sleepover, Wild Child, The Saddle Club. And all of this that I was like obsessively watching and rewatching and rewatching and Saturday morning Disney and all that type of stuff. All of these were fantastic examples of rich equals the enemy. And as young women, we're so desperate to understand the, real, the world around us, to figure out how we fit in. And we turn to things like movies, TVs, books, magazines like Clio or Girlfriend or Cosmopolitan to try to make sense of our society. Where do we fit, right? And when every medium around you is telling you there is always a pretty rich girl who you will dislike and it turns out she's really miserable and unhappy and a bitch. You start to create that in your reality and you start to put yourself in the place. It's like, okay, well, if she's the bad guy. I have to be the average girl to be the good girl, right? We may have noticed this programming to fit. We want to fit into these stereotypes that we're shown as, as kids, try to figure out and navigate the world. We're going to put ourselves in this little box. And it's disappointing that it happens, but it happens to so many of us. And what happened was I found myself instantly judging those who had more than me or those who I saw as conventionally prettier than me without ever bothering to actually get to know them or give them the chance. They were instantly put into this us and them, I'm good, you're bad category. And as we've all grown up and reconnected, I'm glad to say that some of the girls in my classes that I like classed as rich girl enemies in high school are now some of my favorite people to connect with. We have so much in common and it's great. They're incredibly talented and passionate, funny and kind, and they're just down to earth women. 
we can see these same examples though with the wealthy bad guy stereotype in so many books and movies, right? I want you to think about every mayor you've ever seen in a kid's movie, every, um, you know, bad guy in the story, right? You can see how easy it is, how, how boringly predictable this narrative is, right? Challenge you right now, think about the films and books you read as a child. Who was the villain? Who was the bad guy? Who was the bully? Was it the rich kid, the corrupt, wealthy mayor, the affluent family, or the private school bully? Can you begin to see where these limiting beliefs stem from that are not actually true? And once you hit this point and you're like, oh my God, I have been letting the Simpsons run my life. <laughs> because Mr. Burns is a rich bad guy and I don't want to be the bad weird guy. <laughs> and you're kind of like, this is all bullshit. How am I letting the symptoms, uh, the symptoms and my inner seven-year-old run my life now and stop me from being wealthy and successful that I actually want to be? And we see these kind of limiting beliefs pop up when women are doing everything in their business and they're so passionate and they're so excited about it. And yet they keep self-sabotaging. They're not promoting the way they should be someone you know says oh you're a bit expensive and they give them a discount or they keep their early bird prices up a longer than they should be and we self-sabotage in all these ways to keep ourselves small and safe right so i'm just going to rattle off some some experiences i've recently like rewatched or thought about and gone like oh my god no wonder i thought rich people were bad people the burns mr burns from simpsons the Malfoy family from Harry Potter. You know, Harry Potter lives under the stairs. He's a broke boy. He is suffering. He's the good boy. <laughs> and we look at Draco Malfoy as a spoiled little rich kid. Instead of just going, uh, you know, family trauma and a whole lot of other shit, our brain just goes like when we're kids, we can't understand like, you know, there's family and there's power struggles and all that. We just go like, well, he's the rich snobby kid. He's the bad guy right? When it's actually like a lot more involved in that. Regina George from Mean Girls, Walter from The Little Rascals, which is one of my kids' favorite movies now. It's, um, it's not aged well, let's say that, but Walter from The Little Rascals. He's the rich boy, the slimy rich boy. When you're watching that as a kid and you meet your first wealthy man in real life and you're going, mm, bad guy, right? Instead of the, the mentality of like, hmm, Let's, let's see how this goes. We're going, mm, bad guys straight away. Our like hackles are up, our red flags raised. I used to watch Angela Anaconda, um, Nanette Memoir. She was the, the rich girl that had a limo and spoke French and she was the bad guy, right? And what happens is we see all this stuff. The Devil Wears Prada, um, Miranda Priestley from those movies and, and basically everything, right? Then as an adult, this belief system is then reinforced in every medium we view, everything we're exposed to. We root for the poor underdogs and we wait for the wealthy, successful character to be revealed as the shocking, oh, I didn't see that coming, like villain. And the way that you think about wealthy, beautiful, successful and abundant people is either helping you to attract more abundance or it is hindering and sabotaging you literally from the inside out. So what's happening when we're trying to manifest on a surface level. We're trying to work on our relationship with money. We're trying to call in more abundance. We're saying all the affirmations. We're using the I am statements. We're trying to manifest more money by paying attention to it. However, on that deeper subconscious level, 
our inner seven-year-old that collects all that programming and makes all the rules, she genuinely believes that if she becomes a rich, wealthy, beautiful, affluent person, those people are bad and shitty and evil and greedy and vain and malicious and corrupt and they're dirty people. And so the inner seven-year-old is going, that is not safe, that is not allowed, everyone will hate us, we will be the bad guy and we cannot be rich and wealthy. And so she will self-sabotage you at every fucking turn, whether that is, you know, setting a goal for the month, I'm going to hit $10,000 and then by halfway through the month, you're only the grand and you're like, well, there's no way I can make up the other nine. So you're in a little seven-year-old pops up and is just give up now. So I'm just going to give up now. It's no point. It's not going to happen for me. It can be those things like, you know, knowing that investing in a course or a program or mentorship like having this deep inner feeling that this is going to push you forward and this is going to unlock those next level of income. And that little seven-year-old pops up and goes, but remember, if we actually get rich and have all this success, people won't like us and we'll be the bad guy. And so she pops up and that's why your finger goes from the like register and sign up button and we take it away. So she's self-sabotaging you in all these little ways that we're not consciously aware of, right? That inner seven-year-old that guides our system and runs our emotional programming, she's like the internal decider of right and wrong. And that belief system that she's got is telling us that if we become wealthy and abundant, we will be the wrong person. So what you need to do is first identify where those messages have come from for you, because it will be different for everyone. And you need to actually ask yourself, is this true? Will having money make me a bad person? course it's not true right because chances are the rich people that you actually see in today's world are amazing philanthropic kind down-to-earth people who have worked with passion and integrity to get where they are today some people i know probably even look at me they probably even look at me and get triggered i don't share my income but they would get triggered by this, my success and seeing what i do and the fact i retired my husband and they would really get triggered by that and they're probably making an assumption in their own head about what I've done to get there. Or it's okay because, you know, she's white and blonde. Oh, it's okay because, you know, she got on Instagram at the right time. And they probably don't see the hours of work that I've put in over the last five years to get to this point today, right? Are there some people who are absolute fucking jerks, who took advantage, who did the wrong thing, who stepped on people to get to the, to the top? Absolutely. Absolutely, there are shitty people out there. I got robbed last week, guys. My cleaner stole from me nearly a thousand dollars. Yep, she's a shitty person, right? She doesn't have to be wealthy to be shitty, she's just shitty. So, where is your subconscious trying to protect you? Remember, this broke people like my cleaner can be an asshole too. Money and wealth are not accurate indicators of goodness or pureness or whether you're the right person. A broke guy can cheat on an amazing girl and a wealthy guy can cheat on an amazing girl. A broke woman can manipulate those people around her for her gains and a wealthy woman can manipulate those around her for her gains. A broke mum can ignore her child's emotional needs and a wealthy mum can ignore her child's emotional needs. So let's just get rid of the money factor from here let's remove rich from the the phrase you know people say rich people are greedy and evil and selfish and if it's more accurate a rewritten expression could be described as some people are greedy and evil and selfish because they don't know better yet 
or you better get the phrase could be everyone is doing the absolute best they can with the information and resources available to them at the time right so money is only an amplifier it is a resource it is a tool it cannot change who you are if you were vain and proud before you had wealth you would be those things even more once you have wealth if you were compassionate and empathetic before you had wealth you would be those qualities amplified once you've amassed wealth money simply magnifies what's already there and it magnifies the impact you can have so in cases where you sit when people are like oh money's changed people it's like it wasn't money it's it's the fear it's the trauma it's the personality traits that were already there it's the situation and changes but it's like money didn't do it money is not this like greedy little bacteria growth that gets into people's bank accounts and it's like i'm gonna completely shift who we are personality wise i'm gonna infect you and make you greedy it doesn't happen like that it's this tool it's a resource and it can't do anything that you don't already have so i want you to think about the fact that money magnifies the impact that you can have when i think about this money like magnifies the impact i can have in this world it allows me to give back to my community it allows me to purchase books to support budding authors it allows me to contribute investing in startup companies and other women's dreams money and wealth allows me to hire in in my country and hire women and mums there is nothing i love more you guys when i say this with all my heart there is nothing I love more than sending money to other women business owners bank account. I fucking love paying invoices. I love paying my virtual assistant. I love paying my public relations team. I fucking love putting more money into other women's hands, right? Money allows me to give back to charities that are close to my heart, especially ones around autism for my kids. It allows me to create scholarships for high school students. This is one of my next goals for the next five years. And it can provide fantastic opportunities and experiences for my family. So I promise you, there is nothing to be afraid of. Money amplifies the best of you. So action steps you can take around this specific limiting belief if you want to dive more into this. Read biographies of successful women. And once you normalize the fact that you know everyone has a journey and everyone has things that didn't happen the best way for them and everyone has things that worked out really well once you can normalize women's success and women with wealth then it begins to feel accessible and close to you instead of this far off thing right another tactic i did at the beginning of my money mindset journal was to every day write down ways that money does so much good in this world in terms of like charity work or how money funding research and just just you know money i was able to pay for someone's coffee today whatever it is making note of the ways that money does good in this world can completely shift your energy around it and then catch your negative thoughts about others who are successful as they pop up and what it can be is that thought of like when it comes up for me i acknowledge that it's coming from my little seven-year-old so in me so if i see another really wealthy coach online and she's doing this and she's doing that and i feel super fucking triggered and I start to be like, yeah, well, she bought 200,000 of her followers first. It's just like, okay. I see you, seven-year-old Shona. I know you are trying to keep me safe with these thoughts and words. You are trying to protect me. I feel that love from you. I thank you so much for trying to keep me safe. But I do not need that. 
thank you, but I'm choosing to let that go. I know I am safe. I know I'm okay. I know I am loved. I know I'm worthy. I am know I'm enough. Thank you that you're not needed here. And it's just like giving her permission to step back. I literally visualize seven-year-old me with my crazy curly wild hair up in a school bow, my yellow polo short, my bike shorts on, my socks pulled up real high. I, I see her inside me going, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. And I just have to say to her, no, it's okay. We're going to be okay. Thank you for trying to protect me, but I don't need that. I'm a big girl now. Thank you. Love you. You can go chill out now. Go play Lego, something like that. You know what I mean? Okay. So how are we feeling so far? I'm going to check the comments. I'm melting a little bit. And then I'm going to touch on the third limiting belief. Uh, Laurie, I have a hard time charging people for valuable information that took me many years to learn rather than charging. I want to help so much. I usually end up giving the information for free. What should I work on? Boundaries, babe. Boundaries and knowing your worth. And you probably need a little bit of support from someone who can hold you to that as it's popping up for you because that's an ongoing evolution. It can be little things like at a client, like I'm gonna I'm gonna extend the early bird out a month um, on my offering right now. And I'm like, no, you're not, <laughs> no, you're not. And it's, it's valuing what you do. And it's just, it's creating a little bit of detachment, right? So what I worked before I do what I do today, while I was studying at university, before I became a mom, I worked in optical dispensing. I went to uni, became an optical dispenser. I worked in OPSM, Lawburn and Pank, Spec Savers, that type of thing. Eventually I got to a management role, but when I was on the floor selling glasses to people and they were like, oh, it's a bit expensive. It'd be like, okay, well, the quote's here and the quote will be valid for 14 days and you can go home and think about it if you like. There was no There was like no attachment to the outcome. I wasn't like gonna take it personally if they didn't order their multifocal glasses with me that day, right? And so I think sometimes when we're running our own business, we've got this such personal attachment to it and you need to have personal attachment to your brand. But whether someone says yes or no to you, it's not up to you. It's not about you. Your pricing is, you know, your pricing is what it is. They can make the decision. The information is there. They can choose to work with you. They can choose not to work with you. But when you create those healthy boundaries, when you're okay with a client saying, I'm not ready for this yet, or I've got to save up a little bit more, and you're truly okay with that, that's when everything shifts and change. And I'm not going to say that I feel totally worthy and deserving every single day because it is an ongoing evolution and process. I had um, a moment early December where I'm like to my husband, like, am I even good at this? I don't even know if I'm like, do I know what I'm doing? Have I just fluked it for the last five years? I'm like literally in tears on the fetal position, in the fetal position on my bed crying. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? There's no way you could fluke this. Like, are you kidding me? We all have those moments of doubt, but you better believe like 10 minutes later, I showed up on a fucking call with my client um, and she went from a $700 a month client to a $2,200 a, a month client. She made that decision completely herself. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I am very good at this. I help people and it's knowing your value and knowing your worth too. So do you gratitude journal, Laurie? Do you write down every single day at the end of the day, things you're grateful for? Something you can add into this is a way that I've added value to the world today and really start to acknowledge and see your value that you bring to this space. See how you're helping people, see the impact that you're having. If I have a bad day of questioning everything, I literally go back and read. I have all my testimonials from clients stored in the notes in my phone 
and I will go and read testimonials to remind myself that I am doing good work and I am changing lives. And it's not up to me to um, give my entire work for nothing because that's the thing. I've got clients who, let's say they work in disability and you know they, they advocate and they're super passionate about this work but they cannot continue to do that work and offer this service if their prices are so low that they can't pay their electricity bill or can't pay for the internet to then get on these calls with these clients. So we structured her repricing and communicated it to her clients in a way that it's like, for me to be able to continue to do this work, for me to be able to show up and have this space for you, I need to have firmer boundaries, not only around my time, but around my pricing. And that's when you step up from like, hobby business owner to a whole queen level it it is a complete energetic mindset shift i said i wasn't going to share anything about my products on this call but i have to let you know that that is the whole intention of the overflow is this mindset shift between having a hobby business and having a legitimate business and a company with boundaries and a little like super attached purpose to your business but detachment in terms of your pricing like treating it actually like a business right does that help there's a lot of stuff around especially if you're doing spiritual work and healing it's like everyone's like oh you shouldn't charge for that and it's like you don't need to be broke to be helping people and to be spiritual you can actually do all of it and it feels a lot better for people involved okay I actually had a coach recently who I'd worked with in the past and she got back in touch with me and she's like I'm actually offering it at half price for the month of January. And I'm like, um, I'm interested in working with you, but I would pay full price because if you charge half price, I don't even fucking respect you whatsoever. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. And, and then I'm thought about it later. I'm like, probably a sign that I'm ready for a different level of coach. Um, if I don't respect someone's pricing for their product or service as well. Okay, but let's dive into the next limiting belief, and um, Laurie would love to chat with you more with, about that, so um, let me know if that helped or not. Okay, this is the one that can sneak up on ambish, ambitious women, um, and I'm gonna talk about it in the context of being a bad mum, but feel free to let this principle slide over to a bad wife, a bad sister, a bad friend. It's once again deeply steeped in that like, good girl that we wanna be. So the one that sneaks up the most, the most, that's what I've left it to last, for ambitious women in business is the belief that success and wealth and a thriving business will make us bad mothers and bad parents. So let's dive into that one. I held on to this belief so tightly with so much conviction for so long until I was proved wrong, right? Growing up, I there was a couple of people in my life that were very wealthy, you know, smart decisions, business owners, retired by 40, that type of thing. The people that I saw and experienced in my life, they either didn't have kids or they had kids, but they like, I don't know if their parents knew this, but I, I knew it because we were friends. They were private school kids with a party drug habit. You know, like I was going drinking with friends in a paddock and I might've snuck two vodka cruises. They were like doing coke. <laughs> <laughs> friends friends um you know townhouse for the weekend in my microscopic country town view it was just worlds apart and what this for me led to as this black and white option you could either have money or you could be a good parent but not both and it would be things like 
growing up, I was watching the OC or Laguna Beach. And it just further cemented this idea in my head that kids whose parents had money were even more emotionally fucked up than the rest of us. And somehow these thoughts translated into my subconscious too, that if I work hard and I'm successful, it will mean I have to spend so much time away from my family that my kids will act out and try to get my attention in time. But also this, the opposite end of that, if I spoil my kids, they will turn into self-entitled lazy turds, right? And it's especially prevalent in my husband and my side of the family, very hardworking families like that manual labor my dad's you know in the fire service my sister's a midwife all my all my relatives were firemen nurses paramedics like like hard-working families and i'm here like making money online i don't think my family even still fathoms what i do my mum tells people she's an author and i'm like that's one of 10 parts but that's the part you've latched onto, and that's what, what you enjoy telling people that's fucking great right so there's this idea if we spoil my kids, they will turn into self-entitled lazy turds. So these beliefs are why I was never really maternal as a child or a teenager. A lot of my friends were like playing babies and playing families and I wasn't really interested in being a mum or playing house. I wanted to play the empire. I never even saw kids in my future until my boyfriend who is now my husband told me two weeks into dating i think we're just 17 two weeks into dating he's like look i'm in this for marriage and kids i want to be a dad so if that's not what you're into don't waste my time if you don't want that we were 17 <laughs> and i knew he would be an amazing dad and he is an amazing dad and as shocked as i was about how forward he went about that conversation um, three kids later, we're happier than ever. But for so long, I honestly and completely, don't judge me for this, 100% believe to my core that I couldn't have it all. I couldn't have both, that it wasn't even possible. And I think I had this blueprint of my mum, who was really a stay-at-home mum. She was, and dad made the majority of the money. She was an amazing mum. My mum was an amazing mum. She was there for every bake sale. She made every costume from scratch for book week. She was there to read books with us and, you know, make extra snacks and pack our lunches with little notes and everything. And I had this belief that I couldn't be a good mum. I couldn't live up to that with also striving for anything outside of motherhood. So, yeah, that's the belief I held. Self-sabotage myself for a long time. I'm talking like I just started to heal this and I found out I was pregnant with my third child. And I was seriously like, he, he's here and he's three, but sometimes I look at my kids and I'm like, how the fuck did I get three kids? Like, that was not part of the plan. I'm still not used to it, right? So there's a lot of healing around that when I was pregnant and having my third child and I'm still noticing it pop up. I'm still seeing it. I had a conversation with my husband last night because there was a pile of washing in our theater. Um, and I was sitting down last night, I was in a lot of pain, had a PCOS flare up really bad. I was up most of the night actually, um, in and out of the hot shower in pain. And I'm, I said to him, I'm like, I'll get to the washing probably on Wednesday because I'm in calls all day today. And he's like, babe, no one cares. <laughs> it's fine. I'm like, no, no, I'll get to it. I know I'll get to it. And he's like, I, I, I'll fold it. It's fine. Like, why are you stressed about the washing? And I'm like, because my mum, she always had the washing folded. So this, it continues to pop up. I'm a lot more aware of it now. And he kind of just went like, you're projecting. <laughs> Chill out. Go have another hot shower and relax, right? I hold this belief so tightly it's loosening, I'm getting a lot better at it. 
This is the hardest one, I think, for women and mums in business to break. I struggled with this until I met millionaires who were amazing parents, right? And I don't talk a lot about my network marketing experience. Many parts of that journey make me completely cringe with how misaligned and out of integrity and unethical that journey is. But there's also parts of that which made me who I am today. Some of my best friends I met through that journey, lots of life lessons I gained about the personal development world and leadership pathways that I was a part of. And most of all, it exposed me to people that were earning the kind of money that up until that point, I couldn't have even dreamed of. Now I'm just like, how do you think that was a lot of money? There's literally, I said that yesterday. I'm like, how do they think that that was a lot of money? It's, that's less than what I make a month now. You know what I mean? But back then I thought that that was like, oh my God, right. I couldn't even fathom that they made this much money. I couldn't, I hadn't up until that point, I haven't even dreamed of it. I sat with multimillionaires and we just talked about our kids starting school. They had the same concerns I did. Will they make friends? Will the kids remember to ask if they need to go to the toilet? I sat and lunched with billionaires who shared with me how excited they were to become grandparents again. The money didn't make a difference. Family was family. Love was love. Parents were doing the best that they could do, no matter what their bank accounts looked like, right? And this prompted me to go on a deeper journey into like the examples I had in my life of the type of parent that I wanted to be and looked up to as a mother. And as I journaled more and more on this, I realized the values that I actually inspired to embody as a parent and mother, which is like that emotional connection, having time for my kids, encouraging and not projecting my own thoughts and belief system on them and allowing them to have space to make up their own mind about stuff. I realized that none of that would change with wealth, right? I had friends who live paycheck to paycheck, who, who still do, and their kids always give them huge hugs at the school gate. And I have friends who make six figures a month right like i said six figures is not a big deal for me but i think that might blow your mind who take their newborn daughter for a walk in her pram every damn day rain or shine their coffee mugs they got two dash down puppies mum and dad and little lila walking together every day and i know of other people who work 70 hours a week make a lot of money fucking love what they do in a job right still make time for bedtime story every night despite a crazy work schedule, often being gone before their teenage kids even woke up. Well, yeah. Teenagers, nah, I probably got that wrong. One's a teenager, the other two are young, hence the bedtime story, right? 13, was it six, two, yeah. You know what I mean. Money is not the factor in good parents or bad parents. We are the factor, our values our priorities, our intentions and mindfulness with our children. And the biggest shift for me was when I realized I was saying to my daughter, you can do anything you want to do in life, babe. You have my full support, no matter what you want to be, no matter where you want to go, no matter what you want to do, you have my full support, follow your dreams. And then I realized, how could I say that to her and then not live up to my own potential, right? If I want to break this cycle of like self-sacrificing mothers, women putting themselves last, wage gap inequality and all that type of stuff. It starts in my home. It starts with what I do and what I model for my kids. 
you know, yes, my daughter's going to grow up knowing what it looks like to be an ambitious woman who still has a lot of time for her kids. And my sons are going to grow up knowing that an ambitious woman can still also have a loving relationship with a man, can still also have time for people. You know, so it, it starts here. It starts with us. All right, so how do we feel about that? Mind blown or a little bit triggered, <laughs> right? Told you this one was gonna be hard. There are some action steps so that you can do around this. And once again, I'm gonna put these in a post up later, probably tonight, because I'm gonna to have to go and rest after this call and then dive into two more hours of coaching. Decide your core parenting values. For example, in our family, we have honesty, adventure, and curiosity and acceptance. That's it, that's the values. The values will be your true guiding north once you decide what's most important to you. Like if yours is loyalty, fun, faith, whether you're broke or abundant, you can cultivate these values for your family and for yourself. And then once you do this work, watch your cash flow in your business fucking increase. Because now you don't have that story of if I get more orders, that means I'm going to be stressed trying to pack the orders while, or it means the kid's going to have to have 20 more minutes of fucking cocoa melon while I pack these orders. So instead we self-sabotage by not putting that sale up online because we don't feel like we have the capacity or that it will make us a bad mom if we spend more time in our business, right? We self-sabotage and stop ourselves growing, putting that sale up, reaching out to that client, showing up for that webinar, whatever it is, we self-sabotage ourselves because we believe that every step towards success and abundance in our business takes us away from our family, but it's just not the case. It's not an us or them, this or that choice. You get to have it all. Who said that you can't, right? Who said that you can't? You get to have it all. Right, so decide your core parenting values. That's number one. That will be your guiding true north. Look at other wealthy, successful people who are great parents and give yourself and your mind proof to choose this narrative instead. So there's a, I realize as well, there's not many examples for this in the world around us today. There's, there's really not many examples for this. Um, but one particular family that my husband and I really, you know, love watching and engaging and looking up to is the Patriot camping, like Patriot campers family. They've got a YouTube channel. They have this massive business where they build these custom camper trailers for people, but they showcase a lot about their, their family. And you've got these, this mum and dad who are incredibly successful, have grown a massive company and they are connected parents. They have really great relationships with their kids. They are encouraging and physically affectionate and spend time with their kids and laugh and joke and travel the world with their family. And I'm just like, that's the proof, right? That's the proof. And anytime my husband and I, because we are in the fucking thick of it, right? Three companies, three kids, everything has grown exponentially. Like even in the last, like December, January, February is looking like three times as hectic for us. We're looking at all that and going, just hold the faith, hold the faith, watch more Patriot campers, cultivate that relationship. There's this, um, well, my husband and I say, what would, uh, what would Heavy D do? Which is Heavy D is another YouTuber that my husband watched, or, you know, um, what would, what would Justin do? It's that give yourself healthy parenting models, find people who are successful, who are great kids and choose their kids as well. And just collect so much evidence that it works and that you do get to have it all, that all the other stories and shit clears out, that all goes away. 
the my last action tip for that would be write a list of all the ways you can be more fun mindful present parent if you never had to worry about money again and then try and make some of those a reality for you today so one of the big things my husband and i want to focus on this year is actually staying really clear on our work days we each have four days where the kids are in kindy and school so all three of them aren't home and the work happens on those four days it doesn't happen after three o'clock it's not happening before nine o'clock it's not happening on a friday it's not happening on a sunday it's not happening we've got these really clear boundaries now and it feels so fucking good to go and pick the kids up and run around to the extracurricular activities and come home and my phone's on charge in the office here and my computer's turned off and I'm just cooking dinner and spending time with my family. I'm not like popping in to check something. I'm not quickly got to send this invoice off. I'm like, it can happen tomorrow. It can happen tomorrow. You know what I mean? So try and make some of these goals a reality for you today. And once again, give yourself proof that you can move towards success and you can move towards being a great mum at the same time. Yeah? So how are we feeling? That's the three beliefs I want to touch on today. Like I said, there are so many more, so many more, but those are the three that I find pop up the most when I'm having these conversations with women in business. So how are we feeling? Good, overwhelmed, scared. <laughs> What's happening for you guys? Okay. I'll check back in. If you have any questions for me, if you have anything else you would like me to touch on, please let me know. Um, all right, so let me talk about where I want to leave you with that. I firmly believe that releasing, releasing the taboo around money, especially women talking and learning about money, will bring dramatic change to our world. Money and sex make the world go round. And they're both part of our lives that can bring us great joy and comfort or they can be such a source of trauma and fear and anxiety and yet we never talk about them. We don't commit ourselves to learning about them. It's kind of like you, you can't pop up in conversation and be like, what's your best blowjob technique? Because I really like to get better at mine. Like it's not accepted to talk about. The more we open up the conversations about money, the more empowered and excited people can become about it when people are more empowered they become more responsible and then they can act change from a place of abundance and love not change from a place of scarcity and fear and like oh fuck, how do we make it work so the first step to actually making a lot of money number one as women in business is admitting that you want to make a lot of money and fully owning that for me it's like i am ready to say i am a woman with a million dollar business and say it with this confidence and this conviction right if you can't even admit that you want to make money if you can't even admit that you want to make a lot of money or whatever is deemed a lot for you how are you ever going to get to a place where you feel safe and comfortable being a wealthy woman money is not bad money is not evil it is a resource and when you have resource you have access to things to help create a fulfilling and meaningful life the more creative and fulfilled that you are, the more support you can have. And the more support you have, the more you can support others. So you have the ability to support organizations and companies and brands and choose with your dollar. If you're going to Kmart and you're buying things from Kmart, but you fucking hate buying things from Kmart, 
it's all you can afford but you know that Kmart ripped off that actual small clothing designer you know she made a linen dress that was $300 and you loved it but you're like oh I can get it at Kmart cheaper but it doesn't feel right for you once you have money you have choice with your dollar right how fucking good would that feel if people were able to choose to support brands and communities and organizations that they actually want to support that they align with ethically instead of just fuck what can I afford right Money is an amazing tool for you to experience everything you want in your life and to support other people to experience everything they want as well. Like the money that I make allows me to pay my virtual assistant, allows me to pay my public relations team, which allows them to put food on the table for their family. Like money in women's hands is powerful, but it's only powerful when you let go of any ideas that it's wrong or that it's bad or that it's not right to have it because it's just not true. Money is fun and money is sexy and money is a wonderful way to receive all that you want to in life you just have to allow it to be that way first right so here's my closing thoughts for you all today you aren't meant to struggle with money your relationship with money is meant to be easy and when it does get easier and you start to feel safer with money that's when cash flow increases in your business that's when your profit margin increases that's when you feel firm holding to your boundaries and feel supported you're meant to feel supported loved and you're meant to feel truly appreciated by money there is no being or person in this world that truly benefits from you being broke or anxious all the time around money because you are meant for more you are meant for wonder and you are meant for greatness and you are meant to live out all of your desires the desires wouldn't be there in your heart if they weren't meant for you and the work that you're doing you deserve to be divinely compensated for that because women more money in the hands of women will create massive change in this world so you need to stop hesitating when it comes to charging your prices and understanding your worth and feeling comfortable owning and growing and expanding your money talking about money like if we can't even talk about it if we can't even admit we want it how are we meant to get it right it's like saying all that i'm a money-making magnet affirmations into the air and the universe is like bitch doesn't even know how much money she wants to make bitch doesn't even have a bank account set up for her business bitch won't even promote her particular product or service because she's too scared that she might actually be successful and wealthy all this happens subconsciously we don't realize it on the surface but that is my closing note if i can say anything you're meant for more you're meant for wonder you're meant for greatness and you're meant to live out all of your desires so let's stop playing small and let's stop playing scared and i cannot wait to see what you do with the power from this container and how you move forward with this as i said stay tuned for the post on the action steps for all of this that we've talked about today replay will be emailed out to everyone tonight and if you have any questions about what we've spoken about today or if you would like to have a chat to me personally about what might be the right next step for you in your business and in your life right now please reach out to me on um, instagram and we can have a little bit of a chat in the dms but i hope you all have an amazing day and that you've got some value out of today's masterclass and yeah i hope to speak to you soon bye